Welcome back to another issue. I'm Beastie Boy. I'm Table. I'm Red. And it is I, Shino Brando. And in this issue, Red takes us on a bombastic tour of Marvel's cosmology. In the beginning, there was the one above all and the one below all. The supreme rulers of Marvel's multiverse. Being a stand-in for the writers and the editors, these entities are the ultimate manifestations of creation and destruction. Above has revealed themselves to the likes of Peter Parker as Jack Kirby himself to guide him to continue being Spidey, while Below didn't make his appearance until 2018 during Immortal Hulk, where they desired to be the last entity in, in creation and was defeated by Hulk Smash TM. That would do it. I'm also just picturing Jack Kirby going, Peter, Peter, look, you can't stop being Spider-Man because I need to sell books. Okay? When things become meta. Exactly. From them came multiversal eternity, a living embodiment of every verse that ever is or ever was. Inside of them, each incarnation of the multiverse has their own eternity. To date, there have been eight bars. The first five were business as usual, Big Bang, a finite amount of time, and then Big Crunch. Repeat. On the sixth go-round, the people of Ta existed. Galen of Ta, with a knowledge of Big Crunch time, proposed they fly their advanced ship into the heart of the Big Crunch. The heat and radiation killed everyone on board except Galen. His plan worked. Kinda. It worked for him, and that's what matters. He merged with his universe's eternity and floated into the seventh incarnation with a new name, Galactus, Devourer of Worlds. Maybe worked was overselling it. Just gently. Elsewhere, spawning from creation, came a being so feared it is said to be the guardian of creation. The Phoenix Force protects the Emkron Crystal, whose homeworld was the first to create life. Macran Crystal. Marvel says both are right. During this early time, the Celestials were brought into the seventh incarnation by being called First Cosmos. First Cosmos is a bitch who's hyper lonely because the first incarnation of the multiverse didn't have anything in it. And so existed for a little while and then stopped. There's just the possibility of existence for a while. Exactly. And so being extremely salty, they exist as sort of a force ghost in every other universe. Aww. You didn't get to exist in a world where there were people, so you get to be a ghost in worlds where there are people. Have fun. The Celestial cast include... Now, there's countless numbers of Celestials. They're an entire race of themselves. However, there's a couple highlights that are important. Nezar, the calculator. Essen, the searcher. Hargen, the measurer. And last but not least, Eric Cartman's favorite, or his least favorite, depending on the day, Oneg the Prober. Damn. When they visited Earth a million years ago, they took proto-humans and created two diverging species, Eternals and Deviants. Eternals lived longer and had powers relating to creation and destruction. There's a small list of a cast, but the important ones that people should know are the ones that are appearing in the movie. So let's just sprinkle for a hot second, go over them. You've got Thena, the fiercest warrior, Icarus, the all-powerful, Druig, the loner, that's Marvel's words, not mine. This guy, this guy is the antisocial one. This dude sits in the corner, plays with the dog. Oh, he's that, he's that kind of loner. 
I was going more for like, hey, can I borrow like 20 bucks kind of loner? But all right. <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 no. This dude would rather just be a monk and be somewhere else. Cersei, played by Gimachan, the human loving and charitable. Kingo, the cosmic powered. They're all cosmic powered. I don't know why Marvel decided to use that as his adjective, but okay. Weird move. Ajak, the spiritual leader. Ajak is the one that most often communicates with the Celestials themselves. Makari, Marvel's speedster that they actually want to use and not shoot in the chest. Age of Ultron. Well, Red, didn't see that one coming. Neither did he. Damn. Fastos, the inventor. Sprite, the eternally young and spiteful. And lastly, Gilgamesh, the most powerful. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait. Ain't that a bad guy from the Smurfs? Yes, it was. Yeah, Gilgamesh is the oldest literary character we have. Like, the oldest mm. written story is fucking the epic of Gilgamesh. He's mm. fine. I thought the first I one was in- Gargamel. Ah, okay. Whew, all right. I'll really go, what the fuck? Listen, these characters were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. The amount of drugs you do in the 70s to create characters like this. My God. That one say, plus one doesn't equal two. Deviants opposing the Eternals are grotesque and monstrous beasts hell-bent on destruction. So, like, not like you and I were born different. Like, it will be vastly different to its parents when when the deviants decide to get decide to get biblical. You're telling me the deviants fuck? The deviants fuck, unfortunately. I don't think that detail was necessary. <laughs> Writers. Blame Jack Kirby. Oh, I will. Our good buddy, Oneg the Prober, did one last thing before going into obscurity again. He laid into humans the latent gene that we would later call the X gene. <laughs> boys, let's how we get in. Somebody probed us. And yep. And now we have powers. Thanks, Oneg. Back to the Eternals for a hot second. They were given three ideas. Funny enough, when they came out, Asimov's three laws of robotics were also out. Funny how life goes. Protect the Celestials. Protect the machine. The machine is a unit that lets Eternals escape death by essentially restarting from the last save point. And number three is correct excess deviation. Any three Eternals that I mentioned earlier can start to combine their powers and their mentalities into what's called the Unimind. This, I remember this. This is an entity of pure light and energy that multiplies the starter's powers. So pick any three. Usually uh, in previous continuities, Icarus had to be the one that started it, but Neil Gaiman changed that. And so now it's just Mm. any three. Icarus had the keys and everyone else was getting real fucking sick of it and demanded he make them all a set. Exactly. <laughs> now, we've been talking creations and creators. Let's flip that coin. Also stemming from a previous incarnation of the universe, Null, eldritch god of darkness and creator of the symbiotes. Symbiotes. His dominion is... Wait, the... he's a dick. He's a dick. His dominion is the void itself. He was awakened by the Celestials, you know, over there creating stuff. Obviously pissed because he got woken up from his nap. He created the first symbiote, the sword All Black, and then used it to decapitate a Celestial. Ah, damn. He only has one move, and that move is mass murder. That's correct. The Celestials then banished him back to his fucking void. All right, you could go back to where you came from now. His awakening in the modern age was sparked by Carnage when Carnage merged with a piece of a symbiote dragon. Symbiote! God, I love that the Venom lore has two verbiages for what the hell Carnage and Venom are. Elsewhere, in the concepts of death, we have Lady Death and Oblivion. 
Oblivion. Oh, we'll get into Lady Death. Well, Thanos won't, but we will. Oblivion predates the multiverse, and its titles include The Nothing Which Watched the Birth of Everything, because it needs a boost to its own ego. Kind of a mouthful, buddy. It inhabited the void along with Null, and the two, I don't I don't know what you do in the vacuum of vacuumness and nothing, play patty cake or something, I don't fucking know. Lady Death, on the other hand, was born along each universe and is the love interest of an Eternal with Deviant Syndrome. Forever Purple, Thanos the Mad Titan. Reason number 5,378 why Thanos is an asshole. Mostly because he's purple. Because he's purple. Fun side tangent, Deadpool also loves Lady Death and was one time cursed with the inability to die. Coming back to creators, sitting just below the one above all is the Living Tribunal, a multiversal entity who is tasked with keeping the balance of the mystic forces. Its three faces need to agree for it to rule on a judgment. This is the be-all, end-all inspiration for Alien X from Ben 10. All the power, but you have to get there through bureaucracy. And (laughs) talking about it. Ah, yes, we control so much power, but we must come to a decision. Hold on, before we guarantee anything, we must hold counsel. But the Earth is about to be destroyed. I know, but we must come to the decision. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) When it comes to matters on a universe-by-universe basis, though, the Living Tribunal couldn't fucking care. No. Goddamn. So, they spawned Master Order and Lord Chaos to rule and judge. However, Master Order and Lord Chaos, two sides of the same coin. So they needed an entity that is both and neither. And so these two gay space dads created the in-betweener. Two gay dads made a bisexual, I understand. That's correct. In-betweener exists and doesn't exist, is present everywhere and nowhere. Schrodinger's child? Basically, his job is the inverse of Galactus. To vomit planets? While the Inbetweener was attempting to correct a mystical imbalance caused by, you know, the cosmic California raisin himself. You're breaking too many things. It abducted Adam Warlock. Oh no, not that guy. A being created by the Enclave to be perfect in every way. Originally, that wasn't Adam's name. Adam, for like a couple of years in uh, publication history, just went by him. God, I'm so glad he has a name now. They went biblical on Adam when they started out with him, right? So him, they were giving him that whole the first man allegory. He didn't have a name until God named him Adam, right? So, I mean, he was just him. It's true. Is what they're going for. So, I mean, Marvel playing with playing with Bibles now. Anyway. They've been doing that since the one above all got involved. Let's be real. True. <laughs> when the in-betweener popped Adam into its dimension, the sheer mass difference between existence and non-existent drove Adam absolutely fucking nuts and split him in twain. One remaining as he was, the other being the Magus. Is that a wizard of some sort? Right Ad- Adam's evil bits all coalesced into a separate entity. With a kick-ass fro. Talk to me about Adam's bits. Adam has the most perfect bits. Except for the ones that are evil and yeah. running around. But now they're over there, causing destruction. Causing so much destruction, Kang the Conqueror considers Magus to be the most monstrous entity in all of the cosmos. Kang? Kang looks at this guy and goes, that's too far. <laughs> You're too much. Oh, dear. 
Have you not seen his fro? It is too much. This this is where Kang draws the line, apparently. Kang was like, mm-mm, not here. <laughs> One last creator before we get into the real obscure stuff. We have Stranger, an entity that just is. His origins are so mixed between myth, legend, story, and fact that he and the living tribunal can't agree on what's truth and what's fiction. The reason he's in today's show is because he creates planets, specifically Ego the Living Planet, Id the Selfish Moon, and Alter Ego. I don't think he needed to make those. (laughs) Who was a gift to the collector. My dude created a sentient planet, gave it to a person, was like, yeah, that's a gift to you now. It has an ego problem. It's got an attitude issue. I will give you some sentient beings that are so annoying. That the MCU has to change them. Not necessarily. I mean, Ego's always been able to do that shit. Just that he prefers to be a large-ass planet also. Stranger. Not the Stranger, just Stranger. Is also notable for being the first entity to get their cheeks slapped when Thanos first got the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Lastly, on our spectacular, amazing web of collection, we have a bug monster. Uh, Sorry? We have a bug monster. Why? Why do we have a bug monster? Give me just a moment to reveal the bug monster to you. Annihilus. Yes. Yeah. Him. Yes. Okay. A bug monster. Marvel's real fucking Ah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. Man's a whole problem. Man's so much of a problem. problem. He had an entire event to himself known as Annihilation, Annihilation, where he and his bug army invade all of the Marvel Universe. Period. It ends up with the death of the Nova Corps that leaves Richard Ryder as the only one. It also, so when Drax was first invented, he was like big and stupid. Mm-hmm. And then the movie came out with Drax in it. And so Marvel mm-hmm. Comics had to find a neat way to split the difference. And right. by that, I mean, make it look like Dave Batista. Well, Annihilation caused the new one to climb out of the spine of the old one. And boom, that's how Drax looks now. Oh, Drax is Lobo. Gotcha. Yeah. Don't like that. No. One day... We'll go into more detail on what the fuck an Annihilation event is. Oh, boy. Because it was going to be too much to cram into this episode. Keep in mind, at its conclusion, it forced Nova to team up with Thanos. Nova, and then Quasar, with his cosmic bands, decides to get involved, and then loses epically because Annihilation grabs him, snaps his neck, then strips the cosmic bands from his arms and attaches them to himself. Yeah, man. (laughs) It was I a bad see time. jewelry. I want it. Bands make her dance. Anyway, Annihilation hails from the negative zone, which is a pocket dimension with unknown spatial origins. It was discovered in our earthly timeline by Mr. Cook by Fishman. I mean Richards. Stop. <laughs> so having versed Annihilus one or two times beforehand, now his wife being pregnant, oh. Mr. Fantastic needed Annihilus's shiny rod. Um This rod has a name, it's the cosmic control rod. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for mentioning that. Can you say that that's probably not the first time Reed has made a call about how to get what he wanted and he hasn't talked to his fucking wife about it. Uh, they need it because Sue is pregnant. This child is producing so much energy that Actual birth will not be survivable for both. Damn. 
And so Reed needs another, needs the cosmic control rod to help siphon off enough energy from Sue's uterus so Franklin can be born. So because of this rod and his father's, Sue gives birth to Franklin Richards. You need to stop. (laughs) Awful. I shan't be doing that. The most powerful mutant and the final herald of Galactus, who will stand side by side at the end of our universe. And now that he's a part of it, now that he's a universal entity, this is the save in which the next universe will pick up from. And so he will continue to always exist. Damn. Infinite. Galen essentially fucked himself into continuously existing when all he wanted was the sweet release of death. Well then. Dialing back the clock on Galactus' timeline for a hot second. That's mm-hmm. his last herald. Let's talk about his first herald. Norin Rad. Initially born on Zen La with the rest of his extremely advanced race. On a random chance, Galactus's ship, the Ta-2, because somebody mm-hmm. misses home, destroyed Zinla's long-forgotten-about defenses. The Council of Zinla sent Norinrad into space to investigate and maybe go, hey, how about you stop doing that? Look, they built a fence. In exchange for his planet's safety, and especially his, the safety of his beloved, Shalabal, mm-hmm. Norinrad became our favorite baked potato, the Silver Surfer, whose mission is to find Galactus' planets to eat. And should he start to fail, Galactus will go back to Zinla and just omnumna. The Silver Surfer ended up in a predicament where he was back in time when Null first escaped from the beyond, from the void, and essentially created his he-is-his-own-grandfather moment. Oh, for real? By accidentally going back in time, he uh, fought Null at the height of his power and mm-hmm. was encapsulated in darkness and infected with the void itself. Silver Surfer was saved by Ego, the living planet, and was given the ability to create. With Mm. so much of a shining light, he became a form of creation. Mm. And so the absence of nothing started to create planets. And one of the planets he goes on to create is his very own Zenla. Well then. To which he would spend his entire life saving. This is the quick and dirty rundown of the silver surfer and who he is she know i think you've got two cents to add on to silver surfer not so much two cents but i did have a friend way back in the day who who was in love with silver surfer that was like his favorite story so he gave me like a quick educational on the cosmos well you know for marvel at the time because i think you know things have changed in the last like he's been gone for about more than 20 years now so well no i want to say more than 20 but getting close to that right now so it's been a time but He'd have loved to hear. He'd have loved to hear you talk about all this because it's like the Marvel space opera was it was his thing. He didn't really care for much of the the street stuff, the mutant stuff, and all you know all that stuff going on on Earth. But he was into the space stuff, man. And he'd have, he'd have loved to hear you talk about this stuff. So I just wanted to say just give a big shout out to, to my buddy Danny, man, and uh, that he's uh, probably out in the cosmos himself, man. Rest in peace. Keep doing it, as you know, keep doing your thing. The Silver Surfer and all of the galactic entities that I've listed thus far are all based in some sort of uh, creationist myth or, you know, something along those lines. The creation of, like, the Norse mythology actually stems off of the one above all. And as humans got tangentially less related to the Living Tribunal and all of that, we ourselves created the figments that are. So Odin was created 
because he was born, but the Judeo-Christian God, Yahweh, Vishnu, and Zeus were all created by belief via humans, as they are all branches of the main religion of the Marvel Universe that should be anyway, the one above all. There is a God. He's over there. <laughs> Just go hang out with him. Go play with him there. So it, it's neat that way back in the day that the drafters of the Marvel Cosmic decided to tune in what would be their own belief systems. Lastly, I want to introduce you to a character called Death's Head. Uh, uh. This character was created by Styrodos. Apologies okay. on the possible mispronunciation. This is a word I've only seen written and not heard. And they are an intergalactic bounty hunter. Shino mentioned earlier Lobo. Think that, less feelings, and a robot. If you thought Lobo was less cool, this guy's even lesser cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Understood. Dear. This character would essentially land on alien planets. His whole shtick was landing on alien planets, forgetting who he is, insert property that Marvel owns, or at least owns the, the publishing rights to, would talk to him, chat him up, set him on the right path, and then he would fuck around and find out. Did he? Did he find out? This includes when Marvel had the publishing rights to the Transformers. And so he has literally shaken the hands of Captain America, Optimus Prime, and the Time Lord known as the Doctor. Wow. This character still remains in Marvel continuity and is still the same one up until very recently, where he is now Death's Head 2, because the original one was destroyed very, very violently, I might add. Thank you. I think we need a second one of these. I'm going to be honest. <clears throat> And then somebody wrote it, decided to write the sequel. All of these characters existed before Secret Wars. Secret Wars takes this, takes all the characters, turns the action figure bucket upside down. With the toy box. And decides to just scramble them all up. Okay? Secret Wars, highly successful in its day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not so successful is Secret Wars 2, where it is literally the answer to what if God was one of us? Where one of the race of the Beyonders, who just becomes called the Beyonder, bit bops his way through every aspect of being human on Earth, including sex. Oh, God. With a whore. Oh, boy. Like, wow. like a lady of the night prostitute. God. Well, I mean, I mean, she is. I think she's getting fed. Yeah, you know, something good is coming of this. She's getting a paycheck. Right. It's oh, she gets a paycheck because that dude doesn't know of a way to pay her. And so he just snap, literally snaps his fingers, manifests money, and now she's oh. rich beyond her wildest dreams. Good for her. Weird move, <laughs> for sure. Get that knowing is, but all right. You know what? Get your money. Like, Anyway, so the Beyonder has to talk to Spider-Man, because of course he does, because Spider-Man is Spider-Man. And the entire reason the Beyonder stays on Earth and continues to fucks around is because Peter Parker says the most famous line that dude has memorized. Upon telling the Beyonder, with great power comes great responsibility, the Beyonder's like, oh, so I have responsibility, and then decides to become a superhero for a little while. Well, I, he's trying. He's putting into the thought. He's trying. He's like, let me try to see profession. But because his way of solving things is snapping at fingers and making things manifest, this will not work. It doesn't go very well, and Captain America gets really upset and tries to punch him in the face. Captain he likes America, to do that sometimes. Captain America, puncher of gods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Captain America, throwing hands. Throwing hands at Celestials. Anyway, 
The Beyonder would then pop him, the <laughs> prostitute with the infinite money, back into non-existence at the end of Secret Wars 2. Oh my god. I made a promise to mention The Beyonder, and I have now done that. I hope this fills you with the right amount of joy and chaos. There was one person in our audience that listens to our show that when I mentioned that I was doing this episode, they were like, so are you going to talk The Beyonder and Secret Wars 2? I'm like, I can. Thus I did. This brings us to the end of my meander through the cosmic Marvelverse. If anyone would like to read Galactus's version of these tales, go out and buy or check the link in the description for History of the Marvel Universe by Mark Wade. And it is Franklin Richards and Galactus telling the story of the entire Marvel Universe all the way up into every future that ever could be, including the Avengers 1 million BC bars. Nice, nice. But from Thanos's perspective. And a piece of this includes Thanos talking about Howard the Duck. And Franklin goes, why on ever did you remember the fact that Howard the Duck exists? Could you forget? Galactus looks at him, looks at Franklin in the vast emptiness of the universe that was and goes, I know things. And then just continues on telling the history. I'm glad they're friends, I guess. Everyone deserves a bro, even if they eat planets sometimes. That brings us to the end of my tale. How was that for a crash course? Not bad, man. Quite a lot. Again, my buddy would have enjoyed all of this. This was this is his wheelhouse. Especially everything that's happening now that's new and uh, like all the movies and everything that have blown his mind. So this was great stuff, man. Thank you. Space shit is wild. Just wild. It is wild. But if you sort it from top down and then forget about a couple characters, all works out really well. Well, I mean, of course, there's, there's so much in between get it but there's so much in between it all so you can't mention all of it no there were a couple characters that had to get uh removed from this list but that's okay yeah it's fine that's in part because when you're making an entire cosmology sometimes you make a character and you go hmm that guy kind of sucks so sometimes you just want to ignore those guys we went through the more important ones anyways the other ones are more the or more or less the figures in between that do stuff. But like you, you've covered the, the main ones. Yeah. Anyway, the, so. the thing I did not mention was <clears throat> the creation of like how magic gets involved and where that stems mm. from. But I just yeah. feel that that's a tale for another time. I guess so. If you want to touch up on the underworld stuff, I mean, there's, there's all that. There's Mephisto, there's hell, you know, hella, there's a bunch of that stuff. So, which I mean, is all vaguely related to how like the universe was created mm-hmm. and it all stems from that. But, mm-hmm. eh. Another time. You can tell the story without including that, so you did. When we cover a, uh, a Marvel's supernatural theater, perhaps, another time. I'm sure we'll make Red do all the work on that one, too, because he fucking loves magic shit. <laughs> Beastie? I know, I know. Take us away. Actually, table, if you could take Actually, us away. Actually, I'm stealing it for the day. If you'd like to hear more of Marvel, space, trying to explain the very complicated things that creators have set up, and then left out there for readers to kind of puzzle through. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can tune in every Wednesday and you can catch us streaming live on Mondays and Thursdays over at twitch.tv slash nerdcrusade. Mondays for game nights, Thursdays for news. So if you want to catch up on what's going on in the nerdiverse, we've got that. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more regular updates or join our Crusader chat on Discord by checking our link tree in the description. You can download any previous episodes or listen on your mobile device through anchor.fm 
or search Nerd Crusade on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, fellow Crusaders. If I get the power cosmic, do I become the ebony surfer? That's to be continued. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this video, go ahead and button mash a thumbs up. If you want to swing by when we have a new video, web up the sub button. Oh, and while you're at it, hit the bell to be notified by. Oh,